This is ContraZoom. Where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault. And I'm Rachel Ho. We have officially turned the calendar on 2021 and are now looking forward to 2022. We did our Oscar shows, we we looked at our favorite movies of the year, and now it's time to look at what movies we're most excited about that are coming out this year. Now, because it is already May, we're not going to look at ones that have already come out or ones that are coming out in the next little bit. We're going to look forward to as much as we can. So this is a movie preview for the rest of the year. Obviously, there's going to be a whole bunch of titles that either don't have proper release dates, we don't even know about, things that are going to be surprise hits that come out of festivals and come out of nowhere, so we're not going to be able to hit everything. Instead, we have both picked five movies that we have thought that look exciting to us and either have an absolute confirmed date for this year or very heavily confirmed for this year. So there's going to be a couple at the very end where there is a TBD release date, but still it is very likely to be believed that it is coming out this year. If not, then sorry about that. But <laughs> Rachel, looking forward to this year, do you think, because I know you are not super crazy about the year 2021 as a whole, do you think 2022 looks better or about the same for you? Um, Better. I would say we're going to do an episode on this later, but um, I've already seen a number of movies that I'm fairly confident will be in my top 10 of the year, but will also be movies that like I rewatch constantly for the next few years. Um, so, so far so good. I'm, it looks promising and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of movies that come out like towards the end of the year, the Oscar buzzy type movies and TIFF and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think what we've already got is really cool. And I think it looks, it looks promising. I don't want to jinx it, but it looks promising. <laughs> of course not. Of course. So like I said, we're going to do this in chronological order with our first ones. So it's not going to be back and forth exactly, but I feel like we can confidently talk about all these movies. Rachel, your first pick is up first. So what is a movie you are looking forward to? My first pick, I feel like we're doing like a, it's like the NFL draft that just happened <laughs> yesterday. So uh, my first pick is a movie called Men and it's a new A24 movie that's going to be coming out uh, theatrically May 20th in the States and June 1st in the UK. It's also going to have its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. There's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Y- yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I I'm I, joking. I, oh. <laughs> You're tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. It's directed by Alex Garland, and it's about a young woman or this is the tagline on IMDb, a young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. That's an incredibly vague tagline, I just realized. (laughs) Um, But it stars Jesse Buckley, uh, who recently got nominated for an Academy Award in The Lost Daughter, and she's also in Chernobyl and and Fargo. She's a really, really great actress. I'm really looking forward to seeing her in it. The trailer looks bonkers. The poster looks bonkers. Um, For a24 fans or just film fans really alex garland is probably a name that you know very well Uh, he directed ex machina and he wrote 28 days later and also my favorite danny boyle movie sunshine 
Um, the movie looks like it's like a big nightmare. Like it just looks like a nightmare playing out in real time. Uh, it looks like it's going to be something that talks about grief and trauma. Of course, you know, when they're talking about the death of her ex-husband, I don't really know exactly what to expect from it, but it just looks like a really exciting, not exciting. That's probably not the right word. A really intriguing film that is probably right up my street. Yeah. This is one that looks very curious. It looks a little, maybe too scary for me. <laughs> um, if we're being a little <laughs> bit honest, I'll let but, you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. because I'll eventually have to watch it regardless for our a 24 sure. retrospective. So I'll have to uh, buckle up for that. But yeah, you're, you're right. There's a whole bunch of like names that really pop out involved in this project. Alex Garland, chief among them, huge fan of ex machina. I was a little so, so on annihilation, but mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of Same. people who are big fans of that. Still, he is, you know, one of the most unique and original creators working today. And anytime his name is attached to anything, you're going to have to pay attention. And, and Jesse Buckley, you're right. She just got nominated for an Oscar. I've loved her since I saw her in Wild Rose a couple of years ago. And, and she always turns in fantastic performances. Even if I didn't like The Lost Daughter, I thought she was the best part of it. Um, And then starring across from her is Roy Kinnear in a whole bunch of roles, it looks like. And, and people probably maybe not know his name, but if you see his face, you definitely would recognize, oh yeah, I've, I've seen him. You know, he's been in the recent James Bond movies. He was in the imitation game. He's been in the TV show, Penny Dreadful, the new show, Our Flag Means Death. You definitely would recognize him once you, you, you see him. So I think that's our exciting yeah. lead role for him. But overall, I think this movie sort of looks like I'm thinking of ending things, which starred Jesse mm-hmm. Buckley, but with a way more horror twist to it. You mentioned it. It looks like a walking nightmare. It looks like so much about this is going to be psychological with some jump scares added, which I'm thinking of ending things didn't have. So this is going to be a really interesting one. And I think people are are really going to love it. And I think it's going to maybe confound people as well. Definitely. I think it's like it's a horror movie, but it looks so visual. Like you, you say it's probably going to have those jumpy scares and all that kind of stuff. But like, the visuals that we've seen from it so far, they're that kind of nice blend in horror movies where they're like very haunting and creepy, but very beautiful at the same time. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait for that one. I think it's going to be good. And that one's like, it's soon, right? It's just right uh, about a month from now or a month from when we're recording. So that's a, that's a good one to keep an eye out for, I think. Yep, absolutely. So my next movie is kind of cheating. I'm not going to lie. This movie, it's it was released um, over in the UK already, and it's called The Phantom of the Open. It's opening on June 17th here in Canada. Um, it's going to have a limited theatrical release. Uh, it is a smaller movie. The movie is about Maurice Flitcroft, who is a dreamer and unrelenting optimist, and he manages to gain entry to the British Open Golf Championship uh, qualifying in 1976 and he consequent or subsequently he shoots the worst round in open history and becomes a folk hero in the process so this is based off of a true story uh the director is craig roberts and it's starring mark rylance and mark rylance is kind of the reason that i thought it like one the story sounds really funny but like two i just think mark rylance anything he's in i'm i'm usually very game for because i think he's such a great actor and this sounds like a bit more of a comedic spin for him which i'm really excited to see uh but yeah this guy flitcroft he just you know he was kind of a hoaxer like a troll like a like a 1976 troll online troll but like he 
just kept applying to the British Open and under false names and like disguises and all this stuff and and just felt like making a mockery of it for whatever reason. Like I'm sure there's some funny psychological reason for that. Um, but it played at the London Film Festival last year. It has amazing reviews. I've heard it's really, really great. And I've heard Mark Rylance is really, really amazing. Um, so yeah, this is one that it came up on my radar maybe about a month ago. And I, I can't wait to see it. It looks like it's going to be a nice kind of small summer movie to watch. That'll be very light and enjoyable, but probably a little bit dark as well. Yeah, this is one where I, I don't I never heard of it until you sent me the the title for it. And so mm-hmm. I haven't watched the trailer yet. But yeah, the name Mark Rylance, Sally Hawkins, and Reese Ifans are is in it too. The three of them are, are just sort of like quintessential, really solid actors. And and I've never seen a bad performance from Mark Rylance. So yeah, I'm sure this is gonna be a bit of a delightful movie. It kind of falls under the subgenre of sports movies of um so bad the athletes are so bad it's entertaining i'm thinking of stuff like um cool runnings or eddie the eagle things like that where people who are the the real underdogs for whatever reason against all odds kind of make themselves a well-known person it's like yeah it's like the i mean they say it in the um in the tagline but it's like it's like a folk hero right he's just somebody that the people, the people look at it and think that's hilarious. And I want this guy I to succeed even exactly like just, it's like a funny thing where you take something down, especially I think if you're talking about like Britain back in the seventies and, you know, kind of the class system and golf being something that was typically seen as being like more uh, upper class kind of thing to do. So for somebody to come in and just kind of turn it on its head, I think that that's a really intriguing thing. I don't know if that's why he did it. I should be clear. Um, mm-hmm. cause I actually, I tried not to read too much about him after I, um, after I looked him up very briefly on, on wiki, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, I've seen, like, I, I always really like British films and like, um, British kind of comedic sensibility. I always gravitate towards that. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Nice. Well, my first pick is Thor Love and Thunder coming out on July 8th. These hands were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. I need to figure out exactly who I am. And it's Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie, Korg, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster to fight Gore, the god butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct. This is the fourth movie in the Thor franchise, um, and the second one directed and written by Taika Waititi. And, and I loved the last Thor movie, uh, Thor Ragnarok. It was m- probably my favorite Marvel movie so far, or at least up there in the top two to three. I love Taika Waititi's sense of humor, you know, from his older stuff like What We Do in the Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People. And I really love Jojo Rabbit, even though that was a bit of a bit of a decisive movie, divisive movie for some people. I still really loved it. And so I've been very excited waiting for the follow up to Thor Ragnarok for a few years now. And it's nice that they're continuing this, you know, very comedic style, but uh, also bringing in some really interesting people. Uh, looks like the Guardians of the Galaxy people are all involved in this. Natalie Portman is returning after not being in the last one. And then you've got Christian Bale playing the villain in this as Gore the God Butcher, which is an amazing name. 
So I'm very excited for this. Are you a fan of the Thor movies in general, Rachel? I like the last Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. I think that's a very, very good MCU movie. Hot take. Uh, is that a hot take? No, it's not at all. <laughs> uh, I was like, everyone I was like, I swear everyone likes it. Um, I will say the first Thor I actually think is a little underappreciated. I think that it's it's like a lot of people, I think because the second one's not great, is it? Like the second Thor is not great. And that's partly, I think, Brana maybe taking the Shakespearean element of it a little bit too far. I don't know. But I appreciate what Brana was trying to do in the first Thor. And I saw him say in an interview, he was like, Thor is just basically becoming Chris Hemsworth. Like it, there's not yeah. much difference between who. And I, and I, yeah, I get that because he's, it's so Thor is a little bit different, but um, I will say though, I don't think this is a hot take because I think a lot of people might agree. I'm getting a little like MCU fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I've never been like, a diehard MCU fan. I've always been more of like a Batman, DC, Superman kind of girl, but um, I've enjoyed a lot of the Marvel movies. I think like, well, I actually really like WandaVision, the the TV show that they did last year. Um, but I'm just getting a little bit, a little bit tired. I'm just like, there's just so many to the point that I'm like, uh, I'm like not as, not as keen on making sure I catch everything than I probably might've been five years ago. Are you feeling that at all? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, I'll probably still keep up with the movies. I've, when the TV shows start coming out, I, I was very gung ho about trying to, to stay on top of them, but then I haven't watched Hawkeye or what if I've, I've skipped past them both. And now I'm currently watching Moon Knight and I'm just like, yeah, what, whatever. I'll, if I, if I end up missing some of the TV shows, whatever, because it seems like the plan is you don't need to watch the TV shows in order to be up to date on the movies. And some of the movies, it definitely sort of feels like if you skip a couple, you're going to be left out of the loop. But regardless, Thor is the one I'm, I'm most excited for. I love this franchise. I think it's, it's turned around so well. And what, Chris Hemsworth has done with this character has been fantastic. So I'm definitely going to catch this. It's one I'm very excited about. I think I'm definitely going to watch it too, just out of sheer obligation. Maybe we'll see <laughs> if somebody pay, someone pays for me, I'll go. Yes. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So the next movie on our chronological list is bullet train, which comes out on July 15th in theaters. It is about five assassins aboarding a fast moving bullet train in Japan. And they find out that their missions have something in common. It is directed by David Leach, who, if you know me, I mean, kind of seems obvious. I would pick this. He's one of the guys behind John wick. He also directed, uh, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, he's a Hobson Shaw. It's got a massive ensemble cast. Brad Pitt, Brian Tyree Henry, who I really love. And I'm glad to see that he's getting like more and more roles. And they're quite varying as well. He's not just doing the same thing. Uh, he's in Atlanta, which they just had, I think their new season. Is it out yet? I don't know if it's out yes, yet. Yes, so the, the first few through. episodes have started to Is air. it out now? Yeah. Um, Michael Shannon, who, again, adore. Uh, you got Zazie Beat, Sandra Bullock, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Hiroyuki Sen- Sanada. Um, it just looks like the, the, it, I don't, I, I feel like it's such a tired thing to keep saying it's somebody's John Wick, but like, I think it's that action style of, you know, really more realistic action and just really well thought out action pieces, um, set pieces. And 
I like that there's a bit of a, a it looks com- like we were just talking about Thor. So it kind of looks almost comic book like to me, like you, you're on a train, like a bullet train, a single location. And like, there's one briefcase that's on this train and somehow all these assassins are go- like their tasked to go do something with it. Um, I guess it's a bit of a difficult to talk about because like, I don't really know much more information beyond that other than it just looks really cool. And the cast is interesting. I really like Brad Pitt as well. I think, um, we're seeing like a really cool new era in his career and we haven't seen him in an action movie in a little while. I'm trying to think now, cause he's been doing a bit more dramatic stuff, but I don't recall seeing him in, a, in an action movie recently. So I'm looking forward to it. And, um, I mean, it kind of obvious pick for me just cause David Leach and I do really like him. And he's got good like humor to him too. Like he does the films that he does, they inject a good amount of, um, I guess the Ryan Reynolds type humor, which I enjoy. Yeah. I, this one was on my list too. And I decided to let you have it just so that way we can, we can still talk about another movie as well. But yeah, I'm very, very excited about it. the trailer looks very interesting. It's well put together. Brad Pitt doing comedy and doing action, two things he's, he's very good at and sometimes underappreciated for, especially mm-hmm. his comedy. I love, I love when he does comedy. And David Leach, you're right. He he has a, a pretty solid track record so far. I I caught up with Atomic Blonde a few years after it came out and was super impressed by it. I, I really enjoyed the first John Wick movie, which he was a, a co-director on, and then subsequently mm-hmm. left the franchise. But yeah, the the cast is pretty fantastic. As you were as you were listing out, you you didn't mention Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's also mm-hmm. a really terrific actor and always kind of shows up and does weird things. But yeah, I'm I'm very curious and excited about it. Obviously. On first glance, it's easy to make a comparison to something like Snowpiercer in the sense that it takes place on yeah. a speeding train and all the action takes place there and that sort of stuff and also taking place in Asia and blah, 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 international cast, all that sort of interesting things. Obviously, it's going to be completely different. But yeah, I think you could probably safely say something like, you know, it's like John Wick meets Snowpiercer. That kind of sounds like what it's going for. And saying those things, that kind of gets me excited. Uh, yeah, I'm here for that. That's a great description. They should just put that on the poster and just say, yeah. John Wick meets Snowpiercer. I think people would buy it. I like the aesthetic of it too, too. Like they have like a nice, that kind of neon quality that um, mm-hmm. Tokyo's pretty well known for. And like, I guess Asian, like a lot of East Asian countries are known for that. So um, yeah, I like David Leach, like you said, he co-directed the first John Wick. Um, and then he kind of went off on and to start doing his own thing. But he's always kept the same kind of philosophy that I think that pushed John wick at the beginning, which was, you know, you don't, it's the, the, the action isn't overly choreographed. Like it's not, not as planned as maybe you see something like in Marvel movies or something like that, because they really try to get their actors to train up on different forms of martial arts. And then they have like a mixed bag. And then when they're filming, they can just kind of, um, do a bit more improvisation, knowing that their actors are going to be safe. And, and obviously they have stunt people as well. Um, but I've always loved that because I feel like it makes the action just a bit more kinetic and a bit more dynamic and um, less dance-like, which I find some action sequences can get like that. Um, so I have a lot of high expectations for Bullet Train and for Brad Pitt. I'm hoping he pulls off the cool action stuff. Yeah, I feel like if if I was to kind of talk about the the action and, and David Leach's style, it's highly it's it's not stylized. It is is very visceral, mm-hmm. and you can 
feel the the pain that the the performers are going through. You know, I, I think of something like the the staircase scene in Atomic Blonde, where it's like that one take, and and Charlie's there, and while being you know overmatched in the sense of of the size, the fact that they're able to make a convincing fight between um, between Charlize Theron and, and the guy that she was fighting feel very real and grounded, really mm-hmm. added to it. And then also this idea of you don't need to do 50 cuts for, you know, a 10 second sequence. Yes. You yes. need you let the camera stay there, show the fight, you know, choose your angles correctly. Make sure your actors know how to throw a punch, take a punch, fall down, all that sort of stuff. And that really adds to the thing adds to the believability. And I think that's, you know, starting with the John Wick movie, the first one really kind of spawned this, you know, new revival of action films that actually show the action because there's nothing more frustrating. And like, I love you, Liam Neeson. You're, you're a terrific <laughs> actor, but the action movies that you star in, like we've all seen that uh, clip of him jumping over a fence yeah. and like it having 10 takes for that or 10, ang- 10 cuts. I don't want to see he that in an action movie. He, he, he's an older man, Liam Neeson. He is, which is why he shouldn't be doing yeah. this nonsense. Actually, you talk about like that. There was a really funny. Um, I haven't seen the movie, but it was the, what's the last uh, Indiana Jones that came out? Is it the Crystal Skull? Is that what it was? King called? of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen it, but I saw this one clip because somebody thought it was really funny, and they sent it to me, and they were like, "It's indie." on like a vine or something like he's like about to do the vine thing and you like i don't even like you swing across right like a mm. thing and it's harrison ford grabbing like harrison ford also an elderly man <laughs> grabbing the vine and then like when the, the they cut to the sw- actual swinging like it's very clearly some 20 year old and it's just like why put that in your script if your actors can't physically do and there's nothing wrong with not being able to do something like that like you're older indy was never meant to be a superhero indy is a man so yeah. if indy is older make him be older and i feel like that would make for a much more interesting film if you just say like because if we want to keep reviving all of these old action movies from the 80s and the 90s the actors are now you know past middle age so why not just adapt to that rather than bringing in a 20 something year old stunt double or do um doing the 20 clips like you said like the 20 different cuts of Liam Neeson jumping over a fence which probably wasn't even Liam Neeson I guess it was just stunt guy was I don't it? know yeah but if it was a stunt guy then why do so many cuts but right I digress yeah. it's fine um I should note though you're talking like really highly about you know those types of action movies nobody is a great example of that and you should probably go watch that at some point i've never heard of that movie is there is there somewhere <laughs> i can listen to someone talking about it it's funny you say that dakota um i believe it was on my i don't remember what number i put it at now number four i think on my top 10 list in episode insert number here um of contra zoom Pod. i think it was our two three episodes ago from this one I want to say interesting. So you're saying people should check out the top 10 movies of 2021 from Contra Zoom pod. Yeah. Um, I believe there will be a link in the show notes. <laughs> now that you mentioned it. Yes, I will. Let's move on I, because this is getting, I believe weird. that there will be. <laughs> um, all right. The next movie comes out a week after bullet train and it, which it will be July 22nd. And the movie is Nope. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? 
And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pitchers could move, we had skin in the game. This is a really, like, obvious one to include on a 2022 uh, movie preview list because it's Jordan Peele is directing it. And I think once you say Jordan Peele is directing it, you kind of like full stop. That's all you need to know. I have seen the trailer and I don't, I still don't understand what it's about. I'm reading the tagline from IMDb. I still don't really get what it's about. Um, They write the residents of a lonely gulch in inland uh, California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. It doesn't really give you very much information. All I know is Daniel Kaluuya is in it. Uh, Kaluuya, sorry, not the drink. Kaluuya. (laughs) Kiki Palmer and Steven Yeun are in it as well. And that is a sweet cast. Like the three of them, it's a sweet cast. I saw the preview for this movie in uh, IMAX at when I was watching The Batman. Probably my second or third time watching The Batman. Um, And it was in the IMAX theater. It was the loudest thing ever. Like they pumped the volume for that trailer. I it like nearly scared me when it came on. I just wasn't expecting it to be so loud. Uh, But it looks really cool. And I mean, like it's just one of those movies that it literally is based off of what Jordan Peele has done in the past. I know everybody pretty much likes Get Out. I know some people aren't as keen on us, but I think we can all agree Jordan Peele is one of these directors that, he just does such interesting things to the genre. He adds social commentary in a very unique way that isn't done by, I would say, any other filmmaker does it the way that he does. Um, Not he, on the budget it, that he can do it at, too. Yeah, that's, and that, that's, that's the, the other thing, too. Yeah, like he he never, he's not, you know, Chris Nolan Oppenheimer, like with these massive budgets. So it's it's intriguing what he's able to do and anything like, it, do- it doesn't matter really what the movie's about. It doesn't matter what the visuals are. It, if, you, if Jordan Peele's name is attached to it as a director, I will definitely go and check it out because he's just too interesting of a filmmaker to ignore any of his work. Yeah, I, I loved Get Out. It was one of my favorite movies that year. Us, I really didn't care for mostly because mm-hmm. I found that the more you kind of tried to break it down, the more sort of questions and plot holes kind of came up it was like how did how did this work how did that work what what does all this do and and so it sort of isn't the type of movie that like lends itself to be like i'm just going to turn my brain off and watch this because it I kind know, of invites yeah. you to break it down and I, I just found the more you broke it down the more confusing and convoluted it got despite the fact that i think the performances were utterly perfection especially lupita nyong'o the, the, the fact that the entire family all played two parts was just mm-hmm. unreal to me and they did such a great job sorry just to interrupt you there like you're saying it's funny because us is one of those movies that the more you thought about it the more the plot holes became very glaring whereas get out was a movie that the more you thought about it the more you got out of it like the more that yes. you would notice little things and on rewatch it would just like the the rewatch value of get out is really really high and it's funny that the rewatch value of us is actually quite low if you just watch us one time and don't ever revisit it and don't really think too much about it after it's a great movie like i actually haven't rewatched it since the first time i saw it and i don't think about it too much like i get where the plot holes are but like i it's just funny kind of how his two movies are very opposite in that way yeah i agree 
And I think through two movies, we now know a few things about Jordan Peele and his sensibilities. One, Mm -hmm. he can direct the hell out of his actors who always bring their A game no matter what. Two, Mm -hmm. the the look and the style is so unforgettable. There are there are multiple moments in both Get Out and Us where they're just indelible movie moments now. And three, he's just got such a unique and original way of looking at horror. And you know, you, you talked about the social commentary aspect, which is which is a very key mo- part of it. But just taking somewhat uh, tropes and ideas that have been used in countless other horror movies, whether you know it's stuff like doppelgangers or body switching, body taking over, things like that that happen in those first two movies, and then just making it his own unique twist on those is just shows that Jordan Peele understands the history of horror and how he's able to kind of make it his own. And, you know, people have probably seen this trailer by now and the trailer basically gives nothing away. You know, we've got Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer kind of doing their thing of, of being movie ranch owners and then flickering lights, whirlwind clouds, dust blowing around, people screaming and running, and we don't know what's happening. I know there are some speculation about what it is. There's a couple shots in the trailer that kind of are very unnerving, and I think if you pay close enough attention, you could probably maybe guess what it is. Do you want me to to kind of, do we want to talk about what we think it is, or do we want to just kind of leave it as is? Personally, I want to leave it because I feel like this is one of those movies that when people we have a really like bad habit i think as a movie watching public of just breaking down the the minutia of every little thing and and kind of i sometimes feel like we don't get to like appreciate the forest for the trees or no what's the saying appreciate the yeah. forest for the trees yeah i think that was it right. yeah um, appreciate the trees for the forest yeah i feel like jordan peele and a lot of i mean i would you could say it's for any movie really but it's like Sometimes I think you just need to just go watch the movie. Like, you know, you want to go watch it. I don't know if nitpicking and looking at all these little things is actually going to enhance your experience because you go in expecting, oh, this, like I'm, and because everybody is right on the internet, right? Like nobody's ever wrong. So you assume your assumption is correct. And so you're going to go into the movie being like, yeah, this is absolutely what is going to happen. And then the movie's going to end up being about like, I don't know like a charlie the chocolate chocolate factory kind of thing like it'll just be something <laughs> completely different you know what i mean so like i always feel like it's a nicer practice to just leave it and go watch the movie and just enjoy it because that's how we used to watch movies back when we were kids yeah. no that, that that's completely fair and i think if you if you want to know more about there it's probably going to be available as soon as people start figuring things out but if you don't i think for the most part it should be too difficult to maybe avoid it if you're if you're careful. Uh, yeah, this is tough because much like men, this looks really creepy, and I don't know if I'll be able to watch it in a theater, but I do really want to watch it. <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a battle of can I go into a theater and watch this, or do I have to wait for it to come out uh, at home to be able to to rent it or stream it? If you don't like loud noises, do not go watch it in IMAX. Like, if the trailer was anything, I literally was just freaked out by how loud they made that trailer. Um, and it was like yeah. a good IMAX theater, too. So I don't think that they were doing it just for shits and giggles. Like, I think they did. You're talking about like the were... screeching sound effects, right? No, it was just like, I don't even know what was. It was just a lot of loud noises. <laughs> like, a, mm. it was very, very loud all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and my guess is, is when uh, the full movie, they're going to go like, full blast on it so 
if you don't like loud noises in your movies, don't go to a good IMAX theater. Maybe go to one <laughs> of like the crappier IMAX theaters, and maybe they won't care as much about the volume. Maybe. Um, all right, so I'm going to wrap up with my last one. And funny enough, I just noticed I basically covered the last three weeks of July. Um, so my last one is a bit of a silly one, but it really speaks to me on many levels. Um, it is the DC League of Super Pets, which is coming out on July 29th. Uh, Crypto, the Superdog, and Superman are inseparable best friends. They share the same superpowers and fighting crime side by side in Metropolis. However, Crypto must master his own powers for a rescue mission when Superman is kidnapped. So this is a kid's film. It's an animated movie. Uh, it's directed by Jared Stern. It's actually his very first movie. And I always like watching kind of directorial debuts. I find, And especially when it's backed by something like Warner and DC. I find that really interesting. Um, it's basically a movie about the DC superheroes as pets. So you're going to have uh, Superman's dog, Batman's dog, Wonder Woman's cat, and like all this kind of stuff. And they have uh, quite a big cast on it as well they've got uh like I, they, it's a very big ensemble with a lot of like kate mckinnon and um darcy hartner it's a very big comedic cast but the people that i want to highlight are the rock plays um superman's dog kevin hart is batman's dog but who's voicing batman is keanu reeves so you can see why I really want to watch this movie. One, it's an animated movie, and I do like like cute animated stuff. I think it's fun. Um, but also, I I really love the Batman that came out about a month or so ago now, probably, or maybe a couple months ago. Um, but the Batman is incredibly dark and brooding and a very emo Batman. A lot of people are calling it that. And it is like a very serious take on a comic book. And I... DC often gets a lot of um, shtick for taking comic books too seriously. But I think that if people watched some of their animated stuff, like the animated arm, the Lego movie, for example, they are very capable of being light and light, you know, light entertainment comic book things. And DC League of Super Pets to me is a really, really good example of that. And so I like that contrast that earlier in the year, we get this really, really intense kind of Batman opera and now in the summer, we're going to get a movie about their dogs. And it's going to be Kevin Hart and The Rock and Keanu Reeves. And that's going to be amazing. And that's all I need to say about that. So, you are a dog. I am the Batman. I'm not really great with animals. Yeah, I'm not really great with people. Probably because of my traumatic puppyhood. As a child, my family was taken from me. As a puppy, I was taken from my family. So I steal myself. My emotions. Always check. No one ever getting past my impenetrable defenses. Ah, what the heck? <laughs> that can't be sanitary. I'm not going to lie. I have zero interest <laughs> in this movie. It's so cool. It looks so cute. And Keanu Reeves is going to be Batman. That's really, that was all I need. When I heard that Keanu Reeves was playing Batman, I thought, I'm going to watch this movie because... It's excellent. And I feel like it'll be a good movie for kids to watch as well. Like it'll be right smack in the middle of summer. Um, so it'll be a good one. And, you know, cold hearted people like you, you can just move on and go mm. watch your mm -hmm. period piece films mm. like the ones you're about to talk about. Yep. Yep. The uh, next four <laughs> movies we're going to talk about are actually all period yep. pieces. <laughs> I, I was looking at that. And I went, oh, that's funny. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, no, you know, it's, <laughs> I watched the trailer. I'm not a big Dwayne Johnson or Kevin Hart fan. I think they've kind of both worn out their welcome by doing way too much and on, sticking to on social media, shit. right? Like in general, both, both work wise, they've, they pumped out a ton of movies, yeah. most of them very mediocre and their presence online and in the real world is a little grating at times. Their so, social media presence, I I'm very over it. Like I I used to like follow both of them, and then I was like, oh, that's funny. It just gets way too much. Like it's very, they're very good at at marketing themselves. I think as like a brand, that's kind of their goal. But then to me, it comes off as incredibly insincere. Yeah, and I would kind of lump someone like Ryan Reynolds into that group as well. <laughs> I'd agree with that too. Yeah, and yeah. he's but he does it almost probably better than they do. I think he does a better job of it. Um, cause he manages to sell like his little, what would you brand his humor as Ryan Reynolds? Like quippy, uh, like quippy sarcastic humor? and self-deprecating. Yeah. But like not in a clever way. I feel like he's just very, I don't know. It's like charming and whatnot, but yeah, I, I'd agree, but I'm sorry. I interrupted you though. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. I, I pulled up the IMDb page in preparation for this. And I was like, why did Rachel pick this movie? And then I, when I scrolled down and saw Kevin, Keanu Reeves, I'm like, oh, that's why. That makes sense. Because you're going to call me predictable. You are just as predictable. It is true. It is true. If you tell me Keanu Reeves is going to be in a movie this year, I will go and watch it. I will absolutely <laughs> go and watch it. Even if, because I don't think it's a very big part for him. Um, I think it, it's it's probably going to amount to like a cameo, basically. But um, yeah. But the, I have to say, like the rest of the cast looks great, too. And I don't know. I I just I like I like DC stuff like I said and I think it's nice to see Warner's doing a good for I mean I'm probably looking into this a little bit too much but like I like that they do a good variety based off of the DC um IP like they do the live action super serious stuff like Batman Joker um you know and and more adult things like the new Suicide Squad Birds of Prey but then they also do some really really wicked animated movies not this kind of animation um like cartoon animation films um um for all their dc heroes and those are really really good um most of them are anyways and then they do something like this which is incredibly childish and very very cutesy and and very much so aimed at children um which i think sometimes the dc movies get a bit of flack for for saying like oh it's like they're for kids and this and that so why aren't you making it for kids uh, but they do stuff for kids and they're very cute and great. And Keanu Reeves is going to be Batman. And that's amazing. That's and all you, you need to know. Kid. I am a little bit. Yeah, I am a little bit. All good. Greetings. We're technically a conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week we take turns presenting a new topic and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Parental advisory. We might use strong language. 
All right, so now moving on to the last four movies of our list, which are all ones that made my list, and hopefully you're a little excited for them too. But All period movies. Up, yes, all period <sighs> movies, as you pointed out earlier. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> First up, uh, coming out on September 23rd, we've got Don't Worry Darling, which is about a 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community, begins to worry that his glamorous company may be hiding disturbing secrets. So the reason why this made my list is because the director of the movie is Olivia Wilde, which is uh, basically chief among them next to the cast. She Mm -hmm. did a terrific first feature called Booksmart. I don't know if anyone saw that, but it was a great little comedy. Uh, No, I'm kidding. This this was a really popular movie, and I think a lot of people were really a big fan of it, kind of similar to something like Lady Bird, this – Young female coming of age story, but, you know, smart and intelligent and doesn't talk down to the audience and something that people of all ages and genders and sexualities can kind of appreciate as well. And so because of that, I'm very excited to sort of see what she does next. And she has decided to do next some sort of it's tough to really describe it. It looks like it's going to be some sort of a thriller, a mystery a serious drama. Maybe there's a bit of uh, scary elements to it as well. Not really totally sure. But the reason why I'm also really excited about it is the leads in it are Chris Pine and Florence Pugh. I love Florence Pugh. I think she's a terrific actress. You know, everyone knows her from Midsommar. Uh, Chris Pine, I think people have heard of him before. He's somewhat well known. But it's also interesting, despite the fact that Olivia Wilde directed Booksmart, she did not appear in it, but she's going to be acting in this movie and some of the other cast includes Harry Styles, Gemma Chan, and Nick Kroll, which are all very interesting actors. Harry Styles obviously being the singer, but uh, showing up in the Eternals movie and Dunkirk and some other things. So yeah, I'm very curious about this. It sort of sounds like it's a bit of a Stepford Wives sort of thing going on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm I'm excited nonetheless. What about you? I think it sounds really cool. Like, and I mean, we were talking about Nope and those things. Like, I actually think this is the kind of movie that you probably don't want to know too much about going into it as well. Yeah. Um, they just did a kind of extended trailer at CinemaCon uh, this week. And like early kind of reactions from it are basically try to go in as blind as you possibly can and just, you know, go in clean, not, not knowing anything. I'm with you though. Like I, just kind of ingesting well not ingest i am very serious if keanu reeves is in a movie i will go and watch it um but florence Pugh is the same thing for me if i know that she's in something like she's one i remember i think it was midsommar or was it no midsommar i saw her in that and then after that i went and i watched i think everything that she's ever done at this point and she's such a great actress like i think she's she really is we say this a lot maybe but it's like she is like one of the best working actors today. Like she's phenomenal and she's done such a wide range of movies. And I think she's going to be like, I say she's going to be a big star, but like she already is one. But I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if in say 20, 30 years, like she kind of is at the level that we've like, we elevated Meryl Streep to and things like that. Like I could see that for Florence Pugh. Um, Harry Styles, I think, is interesting. Like, I didn't know much about him, and then I saw him on Dunkirk, and I was like, oh, that's that guy from One Direction. Um, and he's actually pretty good, so I'm, I'm like, looking forward to kind of giving him a, a shot, like, at a full movie and seeing how he does, because in Dunkirk, he's just one of many people. But, um, yeah, and, and I echo your sentiments about Olivia Wilde as a director. I think she's really interesting, and 
someone kind of similar to Jordan Peele, where it's like, if I see something she's directing, I am interested to know what she's going to do because um, Booksmart was a really, really, really strong first film for her. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I hope that it is just as successful as Booksmart. And mm-hmm. you're right. The, the idea of going in blind, I think that's maybe kind of be some of the theme of, of the movies that we like to choose is this idea of, we don't really need to know everything, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. knowing the director, knowing the stars, knowing the genre is sometimes all you really need to know to hook the right people. And I think this is the type of movie that's going to hook the right type of people. Absolutely. All right. So the next movie we want to talk about is one called Babylon, which comes out on December 23rd. And right now, the IMDb description says, Plot Unknown, rumored to be set in period Hollywood. I love Plot Unknown. Plot Unknown is great. That's but actually really is- funny. <laughs> Imagine that's the actual plot description. Yeah. Just, plot, plot Unknown. unknown <laughs> plot Unknown. Period piece in Hollywood. Uh it's directed by Damien Chazelle, who most people know for La La Land, but he also directed Whiplash and First Man. <laughs> he is definitely a bit of a, a hit or miss director, I think, with with me and other people. I love, love, loved Whiplash. I was so, so on La La Land, and I think First Man was a flawed but still very good to great movie about Neil Armstrong. And so because of his track record, I think the benefit of the doubt is is given to him. He creates original movies and does so at a level that a lot of other people aren't willing to take the risks. And we talked about some people that were excited about in other movies, and I think the cast in this is just as exciting. You've got Brad, Brad Pitt, who we talked about in Bullet Train. He's going to be playing the actor John Gilbert. Margot Robbie playing the actress Clara Bow, who is in the very first Best Picture winner, Wings. Uh, it was just announced that Tobey Maguire is playing Charlie Chaplin. You've also got Catherine Watterson, Olivia Wilde, again, Gene Smart, Eric Roberts, Lucas Haas, Spike Jones, Mike Man- Max Mangella, Jeff Garland, Flea, Chloe Fineman, and on and on and on and on. It sounds like it's going to be a real who's who of who is playing classic Hollywood stars and studio figures and stuff like this is, is really always catnip for me. You know, I love stuff like hail Caesar movies that look back in uh, slightly comedic tones of the history of Hollywood. It's not sure if this is going to be a comedy or a drama. I think there are rumors that it's going to be sort of lighthearted, but also a bit of a drama and mystery. So it's going to be very interesting to sort of see what's going on. I think the other rumor is that it's really going to dig deep into why things like the Hayes codes existed due to the scandalous nature of some Hollywood personalities. And when we look at the people who are already listed as being involved, I mean the, who they're playing people like Clara Bow and Charlie Chaplin, they had a lot of uh, scandal surrounding them early on in their career. So it's going to be very interesting for this. Uh, what about you, Rachel? I so okay. I have a lot of thoughts on this one. So first off, Damien Chazelle, I'm with you. I think um, probably the exact same de- decreasing enjoyment of his films. Like I, Whiplash is amazing. That's an incredible film. La La Land, I wasn't a huge fan of, but objectively speaking, I think it's a like I can understand why people like it. Do you know what I mean? Like I think it's a well made movie. 
Uh, yes. Just kind of not really my thing. Um, and First Man, yeah, that just kind of missed the mark a little bit. Uh, but still, like, visually very stunning, stunning movie. Um, I like Damien Chazelle. Like, I think one kind of trend that we've seen in our picks here is, like, we're picking director. Like, a, a lot of our decisions are kind of coming from directors. Like, we see Alex Garland, Jordan Peele, uh, Olivia Wilde, Damien Chazelle, and we go, we want to go watch those movies because of the director, not necessarily, you know, whatever the topic is or plot unknown, genre unknown. Like, it's we, we're just going to go because it's Damien Chazelle and we're interested to see what he's doing. Um, but there's also, like, the this kind of trend now we're going back to like really big ensemble casts and you just listed off. Like, I feel like between Oppenheimer, this movie, uh, and what's the, other, the Barbie movie, like all mm-hmm. of Hollywood is just, they're all in it. Like everybody's in these movies. It's insane. Um, I love old Hollywood. I think it's such a fascinating time in the history of, of the film industry and anything that kind of wants to dive deep into it on a, kind of through a contemporary lens I find really interesting. I also love that he's including Anna Mae Wong in it because she is someone, an actress, a Chinese American actress who kind of got forgotten a lot by mainstream audiences. I don't think Asian American audiences necessarily forgot about her, but um, she is someone that was kind of one of the first movers in terms of like when we, we talk a lot these days about diversity and stuff like that, like she was back in, 1920s 1930s like so it's it's along with the Clara Bows and the Charlie Chaplin so it's interesting and so I love that he included her and uh Lu Jun Lee is playing her I'm not too familiar with Lu Jun or Lee Jun Lee sorry um but I yeah I'm looking forward to it and I like the inclusion of Anime Wong and I like that Damien Chazelle is back with Justin Hurwitz who has done I think he has scored all of his movies and I think the music that they come up with together obviously more so Justin Hurwitz his influence. Um, it always complements his films really, really nicely. Moving on, the next one for me, the last two of the movies are ones that do not have release dates, but they are strongly rumored to be coming out this year. And so the first one is Blonde, which is a fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe, which was directed by Andrew Dominic and stars Anna de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. Andrew Dominic is someone who I've uh, I've only seen one of his movies, but it's one I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, and that's The Assassination of Jesse James mm. by the coward Robert Ford. I've always wanted to watch Killing Them Softly, but I never got around to it. I am very curious about this. There's been so much news and talk about this movie. Netflix paid a shit ton of money yeah. for it and then got really angry by how graphic and racy this movie was. And there was huge talks about them pulling out and selling the movie and trying to fight Andrew Dominic in court and all this sort of stuff about ways to edit it down. And all of that just made me, all I, all I hear when I hear that sort of stuff is, Ooh, Andrew Dominic has a really interesting movie on his hands. And so much like Babylon looks like it's going to tackle maybe the seedier side of, of classic Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I think Blonde is going to kind of break down the mythos surrounding Marilyn Monroe and hopefully make her out to still be uh, a good person because by all accounts, she really was. She was very – she had lots of problems, especially with uh, her herself. She struggled mightily with um, with body dysmorphia uh, and – and confidence and stuff like that. So she, she was addicted to painkillers and alcohol and, and a whole bunch of other things. And she had a very tragic life, 
but she still was someone who was an early supporter for desegregation and 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 things like that. So she was a very complex person, and I think we've never really gotten a real accurate portrayal of this. I love the the movie My Week with Marilyn with uh, Michelle Williams playing Marilyn Monroe. It's a fantastic movie that I think a lot of people forgot about. But this is one that I think is going to be very interesting. I think Anna Diarmas, who is Cuban, playing Marilyn Monroe is a is a very interesting pick. And the pictures of her, she she looks like her. She's smaller than than Marilyn Monroe uh, because Marilyn Monroe was a notable, very curvy woman. But still, she still kind of looks like her. And I think they're going to emphasize that fictionalized take of it. So people aren't going to be like, well, Anna Diarmas doesn't look like Marilyn Monroe, really, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we've got some other things like Adrian Brody, who is playing the playwright, which is obviously uh, a stand-in for her ex-husband, Arthur Miller, and Bobby Cannavale, who is credited as the ex-athlete, who is obviously standing in for Joe DiMaggio. Uh, So it's going to be a very interesting one, and I hope that Netflix is able to release it unedited as Andrew Dominic wishes. I kind of – I don't know how much faith I have that Netflix is going to not be overly – like controlling about it, I guess, because it's very different. Like if you put an NC 17 on Netflix movie, how do you like, how do you even enforce that? (laughs) Like, uh, like Netflix, I actually find funny. I didn't think about that. Like it's very difficult to enforce those MPAA ratings on um, Netflix movies, but um, I'm with you though. I I like Anna DeArmas. I think she's really interesting. Her casting was interesting. Like, I think a lot of people won't go like, well, she's Cuban. But I also think if you look at her, like, she's very Caucasian looking. She's, um, I think, half Spanish, like um, Spain Spanish is what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm interested. I, I think Marilyn Monroe has always been a really fascinating character. And I'm with you. I like to see kind of the, you know, a, 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 it would be nice to see a definitive movie about her life and her psyche and what she was going through because for as much as we, you know, especially women kind of grow up looking at images of Marilyn Monroe and thinking like, what a beautiful woman and like so many like what quote unquote iconic figures and, and pictures of her. Um, but she was, you know, like you said, a deeply, deeply unhappy woman and led a fairly tragic life. So I'm looking forward to that too. I think it'll be a good one. Um, Adrian Brody, I, I always, he's one of those actors too, that um, when I see him in something, I always find him really interesting. Like he's, quite the genre jumper as well. I just wish he picked better movies. <laughs> yeah, no, he's cause you're right. He's such a good actor, but he doesn't always, doesn't always pick the best things for him, but he tries. It's fine. He works. He makes money. Mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. Big deal. He's on Oscar, whatever. He's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. So the last movie I want to talk about is Disappointment Boulevard, which is a decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Once again, this is a TBD release date, but is directed by Ari Aster, who most people know for directing Midsommar and Hereditary. Here he is working with Joaquin Phoenix and doing this large-scale project. Uh, But from what we know... It's also going to be a little bit of a comedy, a horror comedy, I believe, is is what the is being said about it, but a comedy nonetheless, which is something that we really haven't gotten with either Hereditary or Midsommar. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to sort of see Ari Aster in a bit of a different lane, but Joaquin Phoenix working with him gives me high hopes that this is going to be a, a terrific performance, a terrific film, sorry, and it's got a really stacked cast. I think that's sort of the... 
I think that the, the trend through all of these picks that we have is that they've got a very large stack cast. You know, he's going to be working with Parker Posey, Amy Ryan, Patty Lapone, Nathan Lane, Zoe Lister-Jones, and a few others. So I'm very curious and excited for this. There's only been a couple stills that have come out of on-set photos behind the scenes of Joaquin Phoenix in his old man makeup. And nothing really else is known about this. If this comes out, this is going to be really late in the year. And I, I have imagined that being a slightly lighter tone is probably going to be uh, the studio hoping that they can uh, push it for the Oscars a little bit. Because if it's a straight up horror like Hereditary or Midsummer, I think it would be ignored again, like despite the fact that both of those are brilliant movies. I didn't know much about this until um, you sent over your list and I looked it up and I, I, I like I genuinely had no idea Ari Aster even had a movie coming out this year. I was like, oh, that's really great. Um, I mean, but it sounds like I, along with most people, everybody, really, unless you're Ari Aster yourself or in the cast, you don't really know what the movie's about. And yeah, I'm into it. Like, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of Midsommar, which I would also argue is kind of funny. Just putting it out there. It's kind of a funny movie. Um, but I was looking at the wiki for this and they shoot it, um, they're shooting it in Montreal, which is kind of cool. They're doing like a Canadian film set thing. So that's nice. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, like, I agree with you. I think it'll probably be towards the end of the year that they're going to end up releasing this. Um, hopefully it doesn't get pushed back to 2023 because a few movies have been suffering from that, um, pushback even now, but I guess that happens all the time. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, either way, it's, you know, just saying Ari Aster, I think it's going to get people lined up Absolutely. to go see it. You know, I believe this is going to be an A24 movie, mm-hmm. unlike uh, Robert Eggers leaving A24 to do The <laughs> Northman, which is fine. Um, I'm still very excited <laughs> to see The Northman, um, but uh, I'm just uh, protective of my A24-ness. I mean, from the stories, like the interviews he's been doing, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be willing in the future to do big budget, big studio movies anymore. Cause it sounds like they did kind of, um, what the, like there's a word interfere. God damn it. I was trying to figure out what this word was the whole time. I think that he's been getting some studio interference from when he was making Northman, but he was saying stuff like he just wanted more penises and stuff like that. So I don't really, <laughs> I don't even know if a 24 would have been okay with the amount of penises he wants in a movie. So, um, but yeah, I, I think Ari Aster, him and him, he has loyalty. Unlike Eggers, he's like, you can't sway me with your budget. I'm sticking with A24. <laughs> that's the man. Yes. But that said, those are just 10 of the movies we're looking forward to this year. There's obviously a whole bunch more, and I'm excited to see what else is coming out. I'm excited about this list. I think we put together a good list of 10. Do you agree, Rachel? I do. I think like there's some really cool movies that are coming out this year, and they're done like a variety of like at directors that I think we're all waiting to see something new from them. Like we haven't seen them in a little bit, so it'll be really nice. And um, actually I had a, a few movies that I saw at Sundance. If you'll allow me the floor to just do a little spiel of a couple, a few movies that I saw that I think are really, really great and are coming out this year. The floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. This is very formal of me. <laughs> Um, the first one is coming out at the end of May, uh, May 20th on, or May 27th, sorry, on Prime. It's called Emergency, and it was a movie that came from a short film that also debuted at Sundance. Um, it's by a bunch of unknowns, like I'm not even, 
most likely you probably won't know who they are. It is a great, great movie. It's like a satire comedy. It looks at race. It looks at like college life. Um, It really knocked me off my feet. I wasn't expecting it to be anything. Like I just kind of watched it. Um, Why did I even watch it? I might've gotten an email from like a PR person to watch it. And so I did, and it was a phenomenal movie. So I would absolutely recommend Emergency. So that's May 27th on Prime. There's another movie coming out June 17th on Hulu for our American listeners um, for a movie called Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. That's gotten a bit of hype. It has Emma Thompson, Daryl McCormick um, doing a two-hander. And it's a heartbreaking film. It's a beautiful movie. It's very moving. And Emma Thompson's phenomenal. And I think she deserves, I don't know if she'll get any Oscar or any awards talk for this movie, but she's amazing in it. Um, and then the last one I want to talk about is a movie called Living, which I, after I watched this, I immediately messaged Dakota and I said, you, whenever this comes out, you have to watch it. It doesn't have a set date yet for when it's going to be released. It's another British movie. Um, it is a, a remake of an Akira Kurosawa movie called Akiru. And it stars Bill Nighy, Nighy, I can never pronounce his name right. Um, Nighy, yeah. It's phenomenal. Like, I don't, it's about uh, a city council bureaucratic worker. He's diagnosed with a terminal illness. And it just kind of looks at the days from when he gets diagnosed and gets the news and then till he passes away. Um, It doesn't sound very exciting, but it's just like, it's a really, really moving film. And I think it's the one of the best examples of a remake of a of a classic film from a classic director that i've ever seen like they really adapt it really nicely to a post-war london and um taking it from post-war japan like tokyo so it's it's a really really great movie so whenever that comes out around you like keep an eye out for living is what it's called yeah i'm very excited and hoping we uh do a make remake of that yeah that'll be a great one i really like that one i like genuinely think you'll really really enjoy is that all of them or do you have any? Yes, other sorry, that was it. It was just three. I picked three. <laughs> I tried I tried to be brief. I was like, I'll just do three. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, we'll uh, hopefully be able to talk about more of those later in the year. Maybe they'll show up in our mid-year list where we do our favorite movies of the year so far, since you were kind of teasing that at the beginning. Yes. I already feel like I have a list, which I shouldn't, though, because that's <laughs> like I should be more open do what I do and keep a running list. If only there was a website that I could do something like that on. <laughs> but if only there was a yeah. letterboxed website. I know. If only. But you know, it's fine. I'll just use my memory and I'll I'll just remember it that way. It's good. Well, Rachel, where can listeners find more of your work in you? As always, you can go to rachelkh.com and find me on Twitter at underscore rachelkh. Excellent. Well, you can follow this show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod and let us know what movies you're most looking forward to this year. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you'd like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we do post all episodes there too. Thanks for checking us out. Mm-hmm.